It's the MBM Podcast. We are here. We are recording. I have to say thanks to Pete for that uh, that tune. Probably. Yeah, the whole song's pretty cool. Yeah, it's not bad at all. I was letting it play there for a little bit, and I'm like, oh, wait, we're recording a show. <laughs> I, I guess I should start it here at some point or another. So uh, we're here. So who and, are we talking to, Matt? Uh, some dudes who do <laughs> RC stuff. You know, the old RCs. With with the old RCs, like the ones that are like really vintage. old. They're called vintage. And then there's this race they do too. What's it called again, bro? Uh the vintage off road nationals. Oh, I think that's called Von Nats too, right? Yeah, something like that. That was the same word that Casey kept saying over and over and over <laughs> again at this last oh, race like, where I just wanted to shove a sock in his mouth. It was permanently engraved into our dreams. It's like, Casey, if you say Vaughn Nats again, I'm going to break something. Probably my damn RC, but stop it. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, we're actually here uh, with a couple of guys that uh, go to the Vaughn Nats and one guy that kind of runs it, the show on that deal, you know, and is responsible for it. So that's Eric. We all know him. We've had him on before. We also have Pete on with us and as well Dirk, which Mike... <laughs> Didn't know how to say his name either, but it's pretty straightforward. It's four letters, D-I-R-K, but hey, you know, this is coming from the guy who on the last show didn't know how to say marijuana, so it was marijuana. Spelling, it was the spelling <laughs> threw me off. Marijuana? What? What's marijuana? <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to let it down, guys. They're not going to let it down. No, and of course, go, uh, uh, hang on, I'm not, I'm not done yet. Would you relax over there? And of course, we still have Kamikaze with us. And most people that are familiar with podcasting will know why he's still with us. <laughs> uh, so, what were you going to say there, Mike? Go ahead. I was going to say, why don't we uh, go around the... Uh, Wait, let me cut you off real quick. Sure. No, go ahead. I'm just kidding. Shut up. You <laughs> just just a second. Wait. Hold on. What happened? What happened? Oh, no. No, Mike, you can go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Uh, the busting be one has those. begun. <clears throat> So why don't we uh, let you, Rich, uh, tell everybody who he is, where he's from, and uh, what he does. How's it going, eh? Oh, there's that Canadian accent again. Dropping the A. <laughs> I brought my own sound effects this time. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, boy. Oh, man. I'm ready. Uh, <laughs> God, I have my feet up. <laughs> so what do you do, uh, E. Rich? That's what I'm calling you. E. So, I got that from Tim. So I am the the founder, the promoter, the race monkey of Vintage Off-Road Nationals. And uh, where were they held again this year? This year they were held in Waterbury, Connecticut, USA, at Wolcahabian Raceway. Awesome. And uh, let's go to Pete here. Pete, introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and what your involvement is. Hi, my name is Pete. I uh, live down around Houston, Texas, and uh, I studied my Canadian language classes by watching South Park episodes. So that's all nice. I got to offer there. Oh, South Park. I hope you are not basing everything off of South Park, you poor man. <laughs> <laughs> is it hard to, I mean, it must be easier to brush your teeth since your heads flip open like that, you know, like on South Park. Oh, my God. It makes it so easy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't We're stop just going to let that settle right there for a 
little bit as uh, Matt's making a little mark edit. No, 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 Is it Dirk's turn now? Yeah, it's Dirk's turn. It's Dirk's turn. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, I know this. Follow all that. I'm, I'm Dirk. I'm from uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Um, the uh, founder of Old School RC. Um, worked with Eric the last couple years. You know, trying to help promote Bonats a little bit. And you know, I was out of the hobby. Started in the hobby about in the '80s. Was out of it for about 26 years and. Eric's one of the first people I found since I came back, and uh, we've been pretty close since then. So, and tell us uh, a little bit about old school RC and and what it is and what it represents. A little bit about old school and what it is. Yeah, and and what it represents. Yeah, <clears throat> well, old school is uh, a vintage page that we started on Facebook. It's been up and going for about two years now. Uh, we have about right about 5,000 members, uh, but we are pretty selective on who does join. Uh, the members are from all over the world. Um, it's really about representing um, RC cars that are from 97 or before, um, and we, it's a buy-sell group. Um, a lot of fun, a lot of, lot of great members. Um, met a lot of great people through there and also bonded with some from back in the 80s uh, that I used to race with. So. So definitely, uh, if you're not a member, check it out, and uh, I'm sure you're going to love it. For sure. So all three of you guys were at the uh, Vintage Off-Road Nationals this year, that's correct? Yes, yes. sir. Well, I, I, awesome. I'm pretty sure I was there. <laughs> we hope so, eh? <laughs> hope so. Eric, were, were you there? I, I may have in spirit. <laughs> not in body, just in spirit? He was a little out of his mind. The part of Eric was played by the grouchy guy in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) I know know you guys were chatting back and forth last night in the group we created, and you guys were joking about needing a videographer just to capture, uh, you know, everything as it's happening because there's so much going on, and I'm I'm sure you guys got enough on your plate while you're there, right? Yeah, it gets pretty overwhelming, I think. You know, I mean, it's especially, like, for me trying to get it together. But beyond that, I think even, like, for, you know, Dirk is taking pictures and video. And I got guys taking pictures and videos. And, you know, everybody's kind of posting their own stuff, too. But it gets it gets to be a lot. But I, I, it's sort of the whole fun of it is, I think, the coverage for everybody, right? Yeah, absolutely. What what kind of numbers did you see this year? We did pretty well this year. I mean, it's it's funny, too, because it's really... A lot of the attendees are from out of state. Um, we get a pretty big group of guys that come with Dirk and my friend Matthew Stevens and Brandon Giles from Tennessee. Um, they always bring a good group of guys with them, and we had a pretty heavy uh, old school RC turnout this year too. So, but we had a, just around a hundred entries. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, if you, it doesn't sound, you know, I, I know right now somebody in California is going, "Oh, that's what our club racing is." Yeah, but your club racing is for modern cars. I mean, this is like a niche of a niche of a niche. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, one, one of the things we, we were talking about, too, if you, if, I think if you had, you know, the big numbers, the into the 200s and stuff, it, it wouldn't, you wouldn't get the same quality and the, the time to do what makes Bonats what it is. So I agree. I'm not sure that we'd really Please. want to grow the numbers too much, Eric, would we? It's definitely a hangout, you know, I mean, that's sort of the, the fun of it is, you know, it, for me, it's like a big reunion with all my friends, but you know, it, it's, it's a big hangout weekend and it's not about trophies and winning races. And I mean, for some it is, but you know, I think it, it, it's really getting to see everybody that you know and you talk to all year, you know, online that you get to see them and hang out in person and have some fun, you know? Definitely see that. So, uh, Eric, what uh, what did you bring to run at that event? So I have, over the year, over nine years of doing this, I've accumulated enough cars for myself to run every class and probably two, two or three other people to run every class. <laughs> so um, it ends up being mm. a thing for me where, you know, I, I know I simply can't handle that many classes. I, c- I couldn't even if it wasn't my race. But, um, yeah, I usually run two-wheel drive and four-wheel drive or stadium truck. This year I ran two-wheel and four-wheel. Um, I had, for two-wheel, I have a pretty interesting car. It's a, an RC10 GT that I've converted to a buggy and I've converted to electric. So it's like the mid-motor, but it's still, you know, pretty true to a vintage car and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then four-wheel drive, I had a double X4 and, what else did I run this weekend? That weekend, I have a classic car. Oh, my friend John Marcote from New Jersey built me an RC10 Classic, which I thought was pretty sweet. Um, John comes every year, and you know this is something that he, you know, wanted to say thank you and he built a car, you know, for the cool race, and he built me a car to run for Classic and gave it to me afterwards, which I was not expecting. But uh, so I ran that for Classic, and. Um, well, so I ran my, my lunchbox, our all-new all uh, Tamiya Wheelie class this year. I ran a lunchbox. That was – do you get – you guys didn't run – Dirk, you, didn't, you ran that class, too. That was yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely the funnest class of the year for me, anyway. Yeah, I thought that was that, – that came out probably better than I could have imagined it would have. And this was the first year you ran that class? Yep. Yeah, it was actually the idea of my friend Brandon last year. So what if we had, like, a, you know, a class for, like, the wheelies or something – you know, we kind of put it together, and, you know, I had to fight with everybody all year to keep it box stock, but we kept it box stock, and, I mean, right down to friction shocks and bushings and, you know, all that good stuff. And, you know, the, sort of the the nice equalizer of it all was that everybody's cars were exactly the same. So it was, you know, but it was a lot of fun to watch those cars bounce around and, put, you know, try and go down the straightaway without pulling wheelies. And, you know, just the variety of them, too, is pretty cool. So I thought that was really fun. Hmm, cool. Yes, it was. Even seeing Tron's little uh, Honda car out there was pretty awesome to see that little thing. I think he even yeah, placed in the top five with that thing, didn't he? He had one of those, to me, a Honda wheelie, uh, Honda City wheelies, the little like rally car looking one. And you know, we let him run it. it you know, it's funny because it's not really a monster truck, but at the same time, it was, you know, it was it's a wheelie. I mean, at the end of the day, that's the, with the chassis, but you know, with the shorter suspension and the you know, little tires on it. It had like no ground clearance, so it it wasn't really any kind of advantage. But I think it was it was Matthew Stevens. He said he says, you know what? He says that car is is trung in car form. It's just like this little tiny car, and it was you know zipping around. It was <laughs> it was like trung spirit RC car. You know? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely was. What did uh, you run, Dirk? I ran uh, in the Willie class. I ran the Snap On truck. Uh, which everybody thought I was crazy because it's a pretty rare, but it was a blast. Um, I ran a two-wheel drive vintage with an RC10 
I ran, uh, I'm sorry, two-wheel drive classic with an RC10. I ran two-wheel drive with a uh, world's car and um, yeah, that's it. That's it. Four, four classes. Did I say all four? What am yep. I missing? I wasn't counting. Oh, and of course, stadium <laughs> truck. Sorry. Old school RC actually sponsored the stadium truck class this year, which was which was pretty cool. All the all the members came together. Uh, we did like a big raffle, <laughs> money, and um, it's pretty sweet to actually see a group actually get behind this and actually sponsor a class. So it was uh, it's pretty awesome. And yeah, that was the. I think that's got to be one of the first crowdfunded sponsorships in RC history. Mm-hmm. And all around. That was a. Vintage awesome machines. Deal. <laughs> Never mind the new stuff. <laughs> and what about yourself, Pete? Um, I brought the same two cars I had last year for two-wheel drive and for the classic class and an A-stamp, a uh, six-gear A-stamp and a uh, team car. Um, and then I brought a 10T for stadium truck and then I brought a box stock uh to me a super clod buster <laughs> and uh i ran the body i ran on that super clod buster was an old andy's body that i've actually had for probably 23 years and uh it's i've run it on a whole bunch of different uh cars and chassis and configurations it's got a half dozen body mount holes in it but uh <clears throat> between tsa and uh <laughs> and uh, running a stock clod buster on an, on an off-road track, I tore that body up pretty good. It looks like something straight out of Monster Jam now. <laughs> so, oh, That's awesome. Matt, you got uh, anything for the guys that you want to ask them? Well, I was just kind of wanting to hopefully hear all the funny stories. Oh, and... yeah. Oh, I just, I, you've been letting me do all the talking. I was sending you messages, too, and you weren't answering. I was like, did they die over there? Really? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, okay, I see them now. I wasn't getting notifications, what can I say? That's funny. And I don't look at my phone while we're recording. I know, no, right? Kind of odd of me to do. So why don't you do that, Matt? Go around the table there and ask them uh, for their stories. Well, well, okay, so one of them, just pick a story that maybe both of them <clears> or one of them have been involved in that they think is, is I don't know how to ask that, just like what? I got it. I got it. You know, you know what so, we're going after. Yeah. So I'll say this. I mean, you know, poor Dirk caught a lot of flack this for 365 days. Dirk has put up with a lot of flack for, <laughs> oh, you know, Jesus. and Dirk, I promise the last time I'll bring it up. <laughs> so last year, Dirk was charging his battery in his car. And I think I was out on the tracks doing something or running around and, you know, stressing out about things, and I hear fire, <laughs> and, and there's a window from the pits, you know, from the pits into, you know, from the track into the pits, and I look, and all I see is like a billow of smoke coming out, and I'm like, what is? Um, no, like, you know, like that's exactly what I don't need is a fire. So, sure enough, Dirk is uh, Dirk. How did that even happen? Is like, your battery's <laughs> backwards or something? Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, crazy story, and, and trust me, there's more lipo jokes about Dirk than there are oh, yeah. uh, probably uh, jokes about uh, Trump. Um, so the night, crazy story, learned a lot from this. You know, this is my first race, big race back, you know, after being out for 27 years. Never really even ran lipos or messed with lipos before, and 
Um, you know, when I first started coming back, I'm like, Eric, we're going to run like NICADs and brush motors and, you know, Novak T1s and stuff. And he's like, yeah, Dirk, you can run that if you want. So, and some more about stuff. So I ran that stuff and I was like, hell no, I got to get some lipos and get myself ready to go here. So the night when we left, we were all there late, you know, after travel on after practice night and <clears throat> they shut down all the power. So the next morning when we come in, they kicked all the power back on. And evidently it, when the power kicked on, it, it took my uh, charger and kicked it back into NICAD mode as a default. Oh, you no. know, being, yeah, yeah. And me, me being rushed and, you know, I had my big, nice Trinity leads, you know, so I could charge my cars and all this. And we started to smell the smell and, you know, I noticed it, got it unplugged. And of course I got it out side out the back door before it even went into flames, but unfortunately was not able to get the uh, battery out of the car. Oh, no. Uh, I definitely so, melted from that car. Yeah, yeah, there's there's some pictures out there of that baby still somewhere. Uh, that, But, you know. So, so, um, so poor Dirk and Dirty year, though, of everybody's taunts and endless amounts of memes and pictures of nuclear explosions and everything else. And Let's not forget the two the two custom painted uh, fire truck bodies this year. Uh, well, uh, yeah. yeah, I came to this year with two fire truck vehicles <clears throat> and, and all that. But poor Dirk is a good sport, and he, he took it. But uh, yeah, I gotta say, my my favorite story was the fact that we had no incidents and no no need to call nine one one for anything. So I'm as Dirk as made it through the week incident free. I would let I would let the fire thing go. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so funny thing though is the truck I actually the truck that burnt last year I actually uh, handed off to Alex Price uh, which unfortunately wasn't able to make it this year but they uh, put a little surprise together they rebuilt the truck and they brought it and actually ran it and they had a uh, fire truck body on the truck uh, working <laughs> hey, lights and all that that's awesome oh, and then they yeah. showed up with me another fire body fire truck body which i actually ran in the a main uh there's some video of it out there that uh pretty pretty cool stuff man you know it's you know a lot of people have made a lot of jokes over the year but i think in all honesty we've all learned a lot from what happened in that incident and it has brought a lot better awareness to to lipos and charging of them and storing them and you know so forth and actually taking good care of them yep so, I mean, it, it, you know, too, it, it, to me, it all kind of comes back to, you know, it's it, this whole event is really just about hanging out and having fun. And, you know, I mean, the fun for, well, for everybody, but Derek lasted the whole year of, you know, having some fun at his expense with the pictures and everything. But at the end of the day, that's all it really is, is just kind of goofing around and like, oh, I can't believe that happened. But, you know, it was, it's, it's, it's just all part of the fun of it. You know, everybody, everybody that comes to this race knows each other. Everybody's, you know, friends. And we all talk the rest of the year. So. So I'm I'm guessing when I accidentally sent you guys that link to those batteries, you guys were probably <laughs> laughing harder than uh, we probably thought. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I thought you were jumping on the dirt train there. <laughs> now now I get I it. This is some sort of like oh I got a cram. <laughs> oh that's funny. Yeah no we were, me and Matt were talking about these new whatever you want to call them uh, high voltage light high voltage batteries that you can charge to four point three five volts a cell. 
Yeah. And I did a quick search there, and that came up. I said, oh, i got to send this to you. And then I sent it to the group of you guys instead of just Matt. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it just, it, I guess it's very suiting to. That's too funny. That situation. Poor, poor Dirk. <laughs> yeah. So if you poor guys Dirk. had to, like, paint the atmosphere of what it's like at th- that event, at the, uh, the Von Nett, uh event, what would you say it's like? It's like hanging right, out at a bar with your friends without the, without the alcohol. How about that? Are there ones supposed it, to be alcohol at Bonettes? <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, no, I, I, actually, I actually drive that bad totally sober. So. <laughs> Maybe you should try drinking, Pete. You might drive straighter. Yeah. You never know. I, you know, my whole point of going to the race is just to make sure nobody else has to bear the indignity of coming in last. You know, I just I got last place locked up, guys. You go on and run. But uh, I, last year I came back to RC. I was out of RC for about fifteen years, and uh, I had been picking stuff up at flea markets. Uh, you know, come across deals here and there. So I had I had three, four cars, and I decided to go to Vonats two weeks prior to the race and just threw it all together, and it was really, you know, kind of a hit-or-miss thing. I had never used the LiPo battery. I was running everything I had was used or leftover stuff that I had pack-ratted since back in the day. And I showed up, I was running, I had a low C 2.4 radio, and I had a 27 megahertz radio for my A-stamp car. <laughs> and uh, so all these guys are up there with their radios, and here I am with the five-foot-long whip up sticking out of the, off, the, you know, <laughs> off the driver's stand. But uh, <clears throat> it kind of threw, threw a couple of guys off. They weren't used to, I don't know if they've been RC long enough to have seen a, a radio antenna. <laughs> but... Now the Swedes you know, were there was, with antennas uh, too. <laughs> yeah, but uh, really, hang, I mean, it. Uh, as soon as I got home last year, you know, I I marked you know, I pestered pestered Eric for a date. I said, "Man, I need a date. Come on, give me a date for 2016. I need to know so I can get this date set." I've been planning for this all year long, and then in <laughs> the end, I had all these cars set up. I was going to run all these. This uh, I was going to run all Kyosho cars this year. And had all these Kyosho cars lined up. I was going to do these bodies and do this and do that. And then uh, it came down to uh, various, you know, stresses of work and family and everything. I didn't have time to do anything, so I ended up bringing the exact same stuff I ran last year. <laughs> Still had the same dirt on the tires. I didn't even clean the dirt off the tires from last year. Well, at least you brought the dirt because home. that's the yeah. I brought the dirt <laughs> home. So kind I, of I you. I brought the dirt home. It made yeah. It's it's sort of relocation. But, you know, I ran, uh, uh, I went up in March to Nashville for Matt Stevens' uh, carpet initiative up there at Extreme Hobbies. And I took my team car <clears throat> and I bought a triple uh, X SCT stadium truck, used stadium truck, so that I'd have a second class for that race. And I haven't run them. I mean, I've been. This after this race now, I've raced a grand total of three times in fifteen years. The rest of it's just collecting for me, just you know, sit there and you know, rebuild stuff like that. Hmm. Spare parts. 
Well, it makes you feel any a better. Lot of parts. I bring my cars home from the race and I put them up on the stands and I say, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna clean those tires off. Oh, I'm gonna I gotta work on that thing. Oh yeah, that nose plate was no good." And then it comes the week of the race and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I never did even clean these tires off, did I?" So I park mine. Well, here here's here's a, here's another funny story then because um, I got to the race with my RC10T and. Eric, you noticed that when you were out there on the track, I was running original stagger rib front tires. What I like, what I like to call hard tires. Rims. <laughs> and on the back, when I got there, I had the tires that I got with the truck when I bought it. And uh, they were Proline Red Pro 90s. And I, they're probably better suited for carpet, carpet racing. They were so stiff. They didn't even have foams in them, I found out. But one of the racers there... Uh, Dr. Joe, Joe, uh, what's Joe's Bye-bye. last name, Eric? But Dr. Joe was there. He he walked by and he says, "You're running those?" I'm like, yeah. He said, "I'll be right back." <laughs> 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 he he uh, went out to his car and rummaged around in his tire box and came back with a couple uh, a couple truck tires. And he says, "Why don't you try these?" So of course, the joys of three piece wheels. I spun everything apart, put them all back together. And, and, uh, Dr. Joe became my tire sponsor for this year. <laughs> and, uh, he told me when I, uh, after the race, he said, yeah, you get home, just clean them up with simple green and put them in a Ziploc. They'll be good for next year. And I said, that's about when the next time they're going to get run. <laughs> so I have a question. How does somebody say myself or whoever go about trying to, get into the whole vintage thing. Go on eBay uh, with approximately yeah, 120 bucks. <laughs> I seriously go to eBay Old. with 120 bucks. 120 bucks gets you something real nice and bring it on down. Simple. Yeah, another, yeah, another thing that's, you know, one of the reasons we started old school was to have a community. So, you know, if you get on there and, Kind of tell people what you're looking for, and you know they're they're going to be a lot of people help you out and try to help you find what you're looking yep. for as well. Is there kind and of another thing too? You know what? Uh, Eric actually loaned a uh, team car to a guy. <clears throat> you know, just some some kid that works at the shop just happens to be you know a smoking hot hand at the radio. You know, and uh, Kyle Rhodes. And uh, he wound up winning the class with a borrowed car. You, you know, you know what's funny about before. So, so that car, three, two, well, now three years ago, three years ago, Alex K used that car. Who's now a, you know, associated factory driver. He used that car and he won the race with it. And then last year he got his own car because then you know Jason came and you know, the whole J concepts thing, they built a car for him. They, I think they had Kinwald build this car actually. But, uh, so we, we lent it to another kid that races the track and he finished second ahead of Jason Rona and behind Alex. But that, so that, that car won three years ago, finished second last year and then won this year. Wow. Like the world's fastest. But he didn't think to run it himself. You know, that's that's well, you know, I was going to run it myself for next year, <laughs> but I'm a, the thing for me is that 
Oh, I can't, I can't break the streak. You know, that that's sort of the problem that I've created for myself. Is that? Yeah, I would. I would, you know, I would I definitely let somebody it's, else run it, Eric. What's that? <laughs> I said, yeah, I'll definitely let somebody else run it. If you don't want to break the streak. No, I'm not gonna. Yeah, because there's no way I'm winning with that car. So, you know, why, why, why would I do that to the car? So. <laughs> So you had mentioned uh, like um, you guys got some sponsors now, kind of on board with the Von Nets. Who who are those uh, companies or people? Well, I mean, the first and foremost is Team Associated. I mean, they they sponsor they're the title sponsor of the race. You know, it's called the Team Associated Vintage Off Road Nationals, and you know they they are a huge huge support to the race. They send out a ton of door prizes. They, this year, Cliff Lett came out and. You know, we did a pretty unique event Friday night. We had a Q&A with him, and everybody got to meet Cliff, and he signed some autographs and stuff and, you know, things like that. They, you know, promote it throughout the year. They do all sorts of stuff for the race. Um, so without them, I mean, this race wouldn't probably wouldn't even happen. But uh, beyond that, we have Tekin, uh, High Tech, Old School RC, Proline, Kyosho, Tamiya, all sorts of great companies, J-Concepts, you know, all these companies that send door prizes and help support the race and keep it going and, you know, make it a good time for everybody. That's good. That's awesome. So, yeah, it's, you know, it, it makes it a lot of fun because, I mean, that's, you know, I think one of the other things, at least, you know, the the part of it when I'm not stressing out, what I could pay attention to is that, you know, the, the thing I get the biggest, you know, kind of rise out of is that, you know, everybody goes home with a ton of door prizes. I think, where do we go around, like two or three times this year, you know, for the, having a you know a really a lot of guys in a very small hobby shop you know to have enough door prizes to do it three rounds of door prizes i mean it's almost like you know it was almost too much <laughs> you know we had a lot of the guys from old school rc Derek durbin trung and you know a bunch of other guys donated stuff that they're making and so we had some you know some really cool stuff this year for prizes and then we had you know a bunch of cars to me i sent two cars and associated did and we had a bunch of you know shirts and parts and tool sets and chargers and you know all sorts of stuff so we had quite a bit of stuff that's good that's good yeah they've got a counter that wraps around the hobby shop and i think we covered at least three quarters of that of the the wraparound countertop with all the door prizes oh, wow. yeah you def- definitely did it was it's amazing how you continue to get more prizes year over year too which is which is great you know what's funny with that too is that every year I'm convinced I don't have enough, you know, and I, I kind of panic, and I start like you know frantically emailing people and talking to friends and hey can you you know can you donate some stuff and you know Team K and K and all these other guys send me stuff you know oh yeah and they send me a bunch of stuff and and, I'm, and I get all the stuff there and it feels like I'm like oh I don't have enough I don't have enough for everybody and then you know I lay it all out I'm like this is a lot of stuff <laughs> so. I do that to myself every year, though. I, I I think maybe I just worry a little too much, but I don't know. I'm gonna, my my goal for next year. Some people's goals is to win. My goal for next year is to make sure I focus on having a better time. <laughs> you got to yes. delegate a little more. I delegate. You know, I try and delegate, but it's just. I guess it's just part of me. I have a very hard time doing that because you know I want everybody to have the best time, and you know I have this. I mean, they heard me say it all weekend. I have this vision in my head of what it looks like for everybody. And, you know, I want it to be perfect for them. And, you know, it, it's just something that I feel like, you know, if I delegate it out, it's not going to be that way. Or it might be a little bit different. Not that it's wrong, but, you know, it'd be a little different than what I 
kind of think is going to be the best, you know, the maximum amount of fun that's legally possible. And, you know, so I think that's where I kind of fixate a little too much, but just got to ease up a little. I love that he did that. <laughs> legally possible. I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing that really did help out this year, though. We were, Eric and I together, I think, combination, we're able to convince Gary Guest to come out to the, to the, um, to the race. And, you know, he really helped race direct and, you know, to have, have the guys call some of the biggest races for live RC there was just, I think it just added a whole new element in, in my yeah, opinion no, it, to the field. I mean, you know, Gary's as old school as it gets too. I mean, he's been around, he raced for Traxxas when Traxxas had a racing team, you know, and I mean, that's how long he's been doing this. And he had stories. I mean, he was as good for a Q and A as Cliff Lett was, I think. And it, you know, throughout the whole weekend, it's just, you know, telling the stories as he's calling the races and, it, man, that was the coolest part of the race for me, I think. He was walking through the pits, and he'd stop, you know, and talk to the guys. And, you know what? And, uh, I mean, uh, Raul Garcia from Garcia Graphics was uh, pitting next to me. And uh, I don't know if anybody else was running a Traxxas buggy this weekend or this race, but uh, Raul had one. And uh, he's talking about, all, oh, yeah, this, this, we did this, we did that. And, I mean, Raul sitting there, you know, taking notes and, uh, uh, you know, kind of, looking at his card, you know, thinking about, you know, what he's going to do with it, you know, or you know, what he might want to adjust on it. And, you know, he did really well. I mean, he made the A main with, with, the, with the car, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he, he didn't, he, he, did he finish in top five? He didn't. He was right outside of it. He, he did really he like well. Six, six. Yeah. The thing that you guys don't probably don't even realize with Raul too, is that Raul had had a heart attack like a couple of weeks before the race. He was going to come up and then, <laughs> Get it right. You had to have he had two hundred in one know? day, and then two weeks later, drives by himself from North Carolina. Wow! From North Carolina to Connecticut by himself to make this race. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, it's crazy. So, yeah, no, that's cool. Raul is an old friend from up here. He and I have known each other a long, long time since these cars were brand new cars. You know, so it, was, it meant a lot for him to come up. It meant a lot to me. He, he's a he's a really good dude. Yep. Good so you guys, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, he's a good painter too. Oh, <laughs> I've got some really good stuff. I've already got some. Uh, I've already got some bodies lined up to send them. So actually, <laughs> uh, what he he was saying that because uh, he he drove uh, one of the other guys' trucks, just took some hot laps with it, and he says, "Man, I gotta have. I need a stadium truck. I need I need a stadium truck." <laughs> and uh, so I actually. Uh, when I got done with my race, I pulled the electronics out of mine and I gave it to him. I says, "Here, I'll trade you a body. Uh, you know, paint me a body. I'll send you." So uh, he he ended up um, not that my not that the truck I gave him was any kind of a gem, but it, you know, it, it's a start. I'm sure he's going to come back, and I'm sure he'll be in the A main with it next year. Yeah, that's an awesome gesture, Pete. I didn't even know that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think we're going to. We're going to have to take Eric up on his uh, offer there from before. Me and Matt are going to have to show up, and he's going to have to fix us up with something. I got I got rides for you. <laughs> oh, that man. And, that, that and some ketchup chips or what? <laughs> yeah, yeah well, we ketchup chips. Sounds yeah. kind of gross. Um, <laughs> how many cases of ketchup chips can you bring across the border before you have to declare it? Uh, <laughs> probably lots. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Next time we ever send anybody any kind of chips from Canada, I'm just going to order them right from Amazon.com. 
to their house because <laughs> it would be a lot cheaper. And a lot no, easier. it's because somebody went and used UPS to ship the dang <laughs> no, things. No, I don't care. No, next time you can go ship them. But That's fine. it was ridiculous. It was just absurd. The, the shipping was just as much as the chips. <laughs> you know, if you guys do come next year, I am going to have a a Great Way North request. You guys have something up there called Five Alive. Do you know what Five Alive is? Oh my God, it's yeah, my favorite. Oh, I, oh, I grew up on Five Alive. It was like, you know, my parents are, we were low income. We were low budget. So we, you know, everything was frozen juice, but we had Five Alive was like a fruit juice that you got and you mix it with water, but it was like every fruit flavor in one can together. <laughs> but I just, I just recently discovered that they still sell it in Canada. Oh my God, yeah, I buy it all the time. Yeah. Oh, it's frozen. No, you can get it in the like in the. Well, here's the best part. Oh no, they have it. Yeah, they do. They get. Do they get their juice in cartons over there? I don't know. We'll get you like some. juice boxes. You mean? No, like in a carton carton. Like you know, you know when you like go to like Walmart right. and, and you buy yeah. like a really big thing of like uh, sometimes they sell the creamer in like a really big carton with like the yep. plastic. That's how a lot of our juice comes in a carton like that. Yeah, we have we do that here. We get you know some plastic bottles, but like Minute Maid and those come in like the paper, like that paper carton. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. you can get it that way, and you can still buy it frozen. Yes. Yeah, you got to get the frozen though. The frozen's good because you you get like a little bit of ice in the you know in there with it. <laughs> oh, I don't know how we're gonna get you frozen five alive, but <laughs> it's dry ice, bro. Dry ice. Yeah, I guess so. It's the Great White North. You got plenty of ice up there. <laughs> well, the ice ain't the problem. It's just keeping it ice on the way down. <laughs> this is gonna be my. This is gonna be my new like eccentric thing that I have to have five alive every year. <laughs> I'm sure we can make some. We, okay, so when do you guys normally do this race? So, all right. So the race is gonna be the same. We always do sort of like the the first or second weekend after Labor Day in the United States. So it's usually about like the second or third week of September. Um, it's this, this past year was the 16th to the 18th. So this year it'll be the 15th to the 17th. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. So, I'll have yeah. to see what I can do vacation wise at work. Right now. I, I didn't realize that you got, where are you guys in, uh, Canada? Now I had a, I had a member from Canada. Um, Ken DeLine, uh, PM me earlier. Uh, I'm trying to get back into this and, he said he was only six hours drive from uh, from Waterbury. We're I think like thirteen or fourteen. Yeah, yeah where is it? That's Waterbury? possible. You know, I mean, he must be close to like Vermont or New Hampshire area yeah. because we can get to. I mean, even Niagara Falls area is only about like seven hours away, I guess. So yeah, and that's about nine and a half ten-ish for us. Yeah, Waterbury. Yeah, you guys are out. So. We're we're in Sault Ste. Marie, so we're right at the heart of the Great Lakes. If we're on the border, we can be in the U.S. in minutes. Yeah. It's just it works. They're, they're near Michigan. We are. we are. Yeah, we're at the top of Michigan, right where it meets yep. in all the middle of the lakes. Yep. Yeah, it's about, if we go through Canada, it's about a 14-hour drive to get to Waterbury, Connecticut. Yeah. Wow, yeah. That's about what uh, what Dwayne Walter drove this year coming from L.A. He drove like 14 hours. <laughs> yeah. That's the other side, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it actually doesn't matter which way we take. It's like 14 hours. Whether we yeah. go down through Michigan and then cut across through Canada and then back into the States, or if we go through Canada, it's 14 and a half hours. Or we could fly yeah. there in four hours. 
There you yeah, go. Just, you flew. How's, how do you, how's it, how's it work out with flying with all your vintage stuff? Is it, it makes it okay, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> coming down, I had, uh, I got to talk all about RC cars with one TSA agent. <laughs> and then the uh, luggage guys went through my suitcase in Houston and uh, Charlotte. So by the time I got home, I got three, uh, three, three of those cards from the TSA saying that we've gone through your stuff. <laughs> but um, the main thing to remember with, with, uh, with, you know, when you're traveling for this stuff is that you cannot pack your, okay, I'm going to say this this way. You're not supposed to pack your lipos away with your luggage. You're supposed to carry your lipos on. Okay, so I had two fire sacks, um, just because I happen to have two of them. I won one at the March race in Nashville, so I, I doubled them up, and uh, I had my three lipo batteries bagged up in my carry-on backpack. And uh, other than that, you know, I just I cut way down this year because I brought two extra cars this year, so. I cut down a lot on the, the stuff I brought. I knew better what to bring. And, uh, you know, I mean, I had a clod buster and, you know, three RC tens in a suitcase. And, uh, <laughs> like I said it took a beating, but, but I mean, everything was packed well enough that there really there wasn't any significant issue. Well, and for us, I really, I, I don't think, I don't think we really have to worry about bringing cars because we don't have any vintage. Well, unless the B5M falls into vintage. Oh, well, <laughs> we should be like what a B B7 or B8, so it might be. <laughs> about, by that time, it should be for sure. Jeez. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, everybody, everybody, check your touring car manuals and see if it's out yet. So okay, so the question that I have though is, how does a car end up getting classified into the vintage? Like, does it have to be from a specific year, or is it? So you know, when we when I kind of first came up with this idea years ago, it was you know I, we sort of did it on well at the time it was two thousand eight, which meant that nineteen ninety four was about you know fourteen years back, and you know fourteen fifteen years. So I said, ah, that sounds kind of good, and. It was, you know, sort of a good dividing line because you had like sort of, you know, the old style cars like the RC10 and things that were made on like sheets of graphite and things like that, you know, versus like a, almost a year later exactly, everything was molded carbon, you know. Um, the things like the double X and the B2 and all that were, you know, like that second generation of design. Um, so we said 94 to start. And then it's kind of evolved over the years. And, you know, I try and not make it so rigid and... You know, it's 94-ish, and if there's something that's really collectible, you know, and people are really kind of into them, and then, you know, we want to run them, then we'll let them in there. So it's like, you know, like the Double X4 came out in what, like 98, I think, or 99? 98, I think. But, um, you know, but we let those in there because everybody collects them, and everybody has them, and everybody wants to run them, you know. And so we kind of keep it to, I guess it's more a collectability thing now than it is really a, an old, you know, an actual year, you know, but it, it's it's sort of a moving target, I guess. Oh, okay. Hmm. All right. So did anybody, do you know if anybody showed up with like a, like one of the BJ4s? You know, so that's one car that to me, and like, I mean, there are other guys on uh, old school that we all kind of collect them and, you know, looking for parts for them and stuff. And I still have the BJ4 that I reviewed for RC Driver, you know, back in 2004, 
Oh, um, and I'm always like, you know, I want to race this thing again. And I'll say this, it, I've never driven, I've never been more successful at racing than I ever was with that car. That car was the best car I've ever driven. And I would love to race it. And to me, it's collectible. Maybe not old enough yet. Maybe not really vintage enough yet. You know, if you really want to split hairs, it's, you know, the B44 is still in exist, very much in existence. And it's really not that different from the BJ4. But, right. you know, it's kind of tough. It's like, where do, you know, at some point, I guess I'm going to have to make a decision of, you know, people ask enough. But nobody's really asking enough. So it's okay for now, I guess. You know, nobody's nobody's really had to make me make a decision whether to let them in or not, but right. I think it'd be cool, you know? Well, you know, it's funny. Every time I happen to bring up the word or the, the, the BJ4 car, what'll happen is is I utter the words, I'd really like to get one, and then like three days later, one surfaces on the internet in an unopened sealed box, and, yeah. you know, it's going for an abs- not an absurd amount of money, very much so an amount of money that I'm comfortable with spending to have one. I can't afford it at that moment. <laughs> so now that yeah, I've said it, this show's going to come hard. out, and then all of a sudden my Facebook's going to be flooded with these guys with unopened boxes of BJ4s, and I won't have the money <laughs> to afford one. Well, it, it you know, that back part too, is, you know? is so cool because, I mean, you know, at that time Jason was a racer, and, you know, it's just J Concepts wasn't even really that much of a company yet. You know, and he kind of, he was racing for Team Associated, and those guys... You know, sort of the same thing for like their deal with A scale racing that they all had something else they ran, you know, someone else they ran for for those classes, and you know, it kind of became a thing where you know he developed that car so he'd have something to race, and you know, there was like him and then the you know the uh, RC Products design TC3O were like the two cars that were both TC3 based, and they were pretty neat cars, but it, that's really what I, to me at least, I mean, Jason may feel differently, but what really kind of springboarded J concept starting was that BJ four. And, mm-hmm. you know, I remember that my favorite part of that whole story for, for him was that, you know, when he started it up, they had this little website and it was really a, it was just a waiting list. And it was like, you, you had to, you know, put your name on the waiting list, you know, and, and it was all up there. You could see what number you were, you could see what number everybody else was. And, you know, when it got to your number, when they made the 38th one, number 38 got to order his car, you know, and, that's, I mean, they were really sought after for that. They were real hard to get. And I remember I, you know, my friendship with Jason kind of started from that was, you know, I was working at RC driver and, you know, there was, you know, the Durango car had come out and, you know, that thing was kind of like a, you know, folk folklore of RC cars and, you know, TC3O was out and, you know, I, we had tested one and it was pretty cool. But when that J concepts car came out, I remember calling Jason up for like the first time I ever talked to him. And I said, you know, I'd love to really get one of those and, you know, to do a review and blah, blah, blah. I says, yeah, okay. And he, you know, he had his list already. And I said, you know, I said, you know, I got to wait on the list. I have to order it. And well, let me see what I can do. And it was like, you know, they were on like number six or seven. And it was like, <laughs> you know, team guys were on that, on that part of the list. And sure enough, there, you know, one showed up at, at the magazine one day. I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow. <laughs> you know, so it was, it was pretty cool. But, you know, that's, I mean, that's just the type of guy Jason is that, you know, yeah. he, you know, it's it's to him. It was it, it. He's completely driven by his passion for RC and for racing. Right. So. Yes, he is, and he he has been a huge supporter of the vintage community all in all. And you know, it's not uncommon to see Jason. You know, you know, mixing up with all of us guys in old school, and you know, being at the race last year was just a huge thing. He's uh, 
He's yeah. definitely something uh, special in the industry, uh, for sure. Yeah. I, I love him for the fact, too, that he's a tinkerer, and he just, you know, he'll kind of, well, maybe I'll try and make this, and I'll make that, and, you know, and see how it does. And he, I think he makes more vintage things than most of these companies that were originally around, you know? <laughs> yeah, all bodies, and, you know, J, you know, RC, he's made parts for just about every version of the RC10 that's ever been in existence, and, you know, he still carries all this stuff, and he makes it work, so... Yeah, yeah he, re- he reached out to me a while back, and we decided to do a 10T project together. And, you know, he came out with a new J-Concepts body for the 10Ts from Shock Towers and uh, and even a uh, training brace for him, which, you know, is still for sale on the page at this moment. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, He he's – it is wild to see uh, lots of stuff like that. And it's just – yeah. But uh, hang on, because somebody mentioned Team Durango, Eric. Uh, yep. <laughs> so I'm sure all you guys have seen. So I wonder what you guys' opinion is that after the five years that Travis Amescu was with Durango and now that he's not anymore and there's been some rumor mill circulating that there's, things don't look good for Durango because I believe one of their eight-scale platforms has been discontinued, what do you guys... What's your opinion on that whole situation what's going on right now? Do you think it's some people are reading into it more than... They should be, or is there a reason to be concerned about Team Durango maybe going away? I mean, I guess, you know, I, I know Travis pretty well, and I mean, I remember when he raced for Associated, I remember when he raced for Losi, I remember when he left to go to, you know, to Durango, and, you know, I mentioned Durango before, it was, that that was a totally different company, I mean, that was, you know, Gerd and uh, Michael over in Germany that had developed this four-wheel drive car, and you know, it was like these like one off they were they were making them by hand and you know, you had to be like a Atsushihara or somebody to get one. You know, it wasn't like just anybody had one. I think you could count on one hand the, the amount of people that actually had them and they were all like world champions, you know. Mm. So you know, at some point I you know, they Gerd and Michael sold the company. Um they were employees of the company that was owned by, you know, basically Havako at the end of the day. Um, and that team Durango kind of took it and ran with it and, you know, had them design a couple other things, you know, two wheel drive car and, you know, the A scale buggy and stuff like that. But, you know, I've talked to Michael about it a lot, Michael Vollmer, and it was something where, you know, they, it wasn't the company that they started. And, you know, eventually that was sort of their, their departure from it was, you know, this isn't what we were doing and, you know, and all that. And they kind of went their own ways. I think, I don't even know if Gerd is still in, RC on that kind of capacity anymore, but Michael, as he does all the stuff for uh, that RDRP, which is all some really nice stuff from over in Europe. But um, you know, Travis, you know, a lot of these pros change, change, and you know, this is the time of year we call silly season, where they all start, you know, negotiating contracts towards the end of the year, and you know, we're about a month away from everybody, you know, getting their contracts for next year, and you know, this is when you start seeing people leaving and things like that, so. You know, on one hand, I don't want to think that it's, you know, something he had against Durango or, you know, some sort of discontinuation of, you know, what they're doing. But I think at the end of the day, you know, Habako's, you know, sort of goal for this isn't as hardcore into racing as, like, Team Associated or, you know, somebody else that, you know, that's what they do. So, you know, I, I could see how, I mean, the, you know, the ACO cars are, you know, they're, they're a lot to develop. It, it's not an easy thing to, to design a car. And, um, 
you know, when you've got like a ready to run business and all these other things that, you know, you've got to kind of cut it back somewhere. And, you know, that's, that's a big factor. And I, and I think, you know, the last big factor for me at least is that, you know, you talk to anybody in this industry these days and they'll say that, you know, it's, it's tough right now for them. You know, they're, they're not that they're doing poorly, but you know, they're, they're having a hard time and it's, you know, things are kind of slow right now. And, there's a lot of competition, you know, everybody's making a lot of everything. So it's, you know, it's a challenge for them to stay in business and keep selling products and keep developing new stuff. So in order to, sometimes in order to make room for new products, they have to kind of, you know, clear the houses out a little bit, you know? Well, so, but what does it say with him leaving Durango right before the eight scale worlds? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's that, but (laughs) we're talking about an eight scale car that's how old now? You know, and that's, you know, one of those things that these guys, you know, these, you know, they race for these teams, you know, as long as they're contractually obligated to, but, you know, they're also, you know, they want to be a world champion regardless of who they get it with. And, you know, I think that platform wasn't getting updated and, you know, Travis saw that, you know, it was going as far as he could take it. And, you know, maybe he got an offer from somewhere else or, you know, it'd be kind of interesting to see what happens, you know, but at the same rate, I mean, when, when, you know, when Haro left, you know, uh, the whole Hot Bodies deal a few years ago, that was right before Worlds, too, and he had, you know, won a Worlds with them previously to that. So, right. you know, sometimes these guys will just do it just to try something new, you know? <clears throat> you say, think we'll see Travis show up at Worlds with another uh, company, Eric? I think you'll see Travis show up with another company's products, but I don't think he'll show it. He'll be there in a team capacity. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's... I think he's sort of doing like the online, you know, the online dating thing of like, well, I'm single for a little while. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. might, he might do that. I, uh, yeah. I, I personally don't know if Durango has the staying power to stick around with everything else that's going on in the industry, but you know, time will tell. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you, skill, you're well, the, the single most competitive class in RC across the board. It's yeah. it's the hardest class to win, and it's the biggest deal to win that world championship in that. You know, it's the it's the F one of RC racing. So it's, you know, it's important to these guys, and you know, it takes constant, you know, changing and development to keep these cars up front. And you know, if Durango's car is now, you know, a couple, you know, a few years old, it's it's getting pretty stale, and you know, they're not working on it, and they're not developing anything, and putting the time, you know, the support behind it, then you're going to see these guys going other places, you know. Right. Okay. Like I said, I was just anybody else got anything on that one or I just think that uh Durango's probably, you know, if I from what I read from the press release today was that uh you know, they're going to focus on their uh their ready to run brand with Arma and I think they're going to go for some, you know, try and cut into Traxxas market. You know, everybody, you know, dogs Traxxas cuz they don't have a race team anymore and all this other stuff, you know, they do these oddball promotional uh where you know, they'll give away a car or give a car to some youtube blogger that nobody's ever heard of or that we've never heard of in the <laughs> hobby but we're not the ones that they're going for they're they're you know they're doing this to get to get new people into the hobby yeah. to make new sales you know for the ready to runs <clears throat> and that arma's really coming out i mean what they got that like a 6s a truck that's 6s capable right out of the box yeah. and uh their price I mean, they're, points they're good too. Really pushing that, you know the. I don't think they're going after the X Max crowd, but they're going, you know, you know, 
look what you can do, you know, with uh, yep. with our stuff. Yeah, no, no, no. I see what you're saying. De- Traxxas has definitely made it very apparent that there is a market uh, in RTR. Um, and even, you know, stuff like, look what the Slash did for spec racing, you know, short course racing. You know, it was a huge explosion when that came out. And then I, I think when they came out with the, the, the Traxxas Funny Cars, you know, that did... We may not see it a lot because maybe we're not drag racers, but I think that did a lot for the drag race market to get people into it really easily. And again, another spec class, right? Um, yeah. So it's just, I don't think they're wrong because Mike and I have seen a bunch of their armas, and I don't know mm-hmm. if it's just the local hobby shop that carries them near us. Um, it's his deal, but my understanding is they have a pretty ridiculous warranty on them. Huh. Yeah, I think so. I think they're one of the companies. I mean, there's there's few companies that even warranty RC car stuff. But well, that's it. It's like them and like you know the RPM and like a couple others that actually offer a, a warranty. You know, a warranty much less a pretty hefty one. Yeah, I think but, the um, one's like two years. And two years, like replacement part. Like if you break anything. it on the car, they replace it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're looking at you know the fact that you know a lot of people are getting you know buying these RC cars for their kids, but. You know where where the whole relationship with the companies, you know, the brands kind of falls apart. Is well, my kid broke it, and I'm not very mechanical, so we can't get it fixed, and that's kind of it. You know, mm-hmm. so I think it's pretty smart on their part to offer a warranty like that, where it's you know it kind of keeps that relationship going for a while, and it you know hopefully builds some brand loyalty and gets you know some more kids into into the hobby, and they you know ultimately sell more cars for it. Yeah. Well, actually, you were talking about something too that kind of made me think of what we did uh the some of the questions from the round table and i want to actually especially you eric i want to ask you this question and we'll give everybody the opportunity to talk about it and that question was was how was recent changes in the past three to four years and actually it's probably more like six to eight uh to sponsorships affected the hobby are they hurting the hobby shops? Are the sponsorships being given away too easily? Is being sponsored even really mean a whole lot anymore? It seems like everybody has a sponsorship of some sort. Um, so what what's kind of your ideas and thoughts on that statement slash question? Well, I think, yeah, I mean, it'd be kind of interesting to hear what Dirk says too because, I mean, Dirk has some sponsors and stuff like that too that are, you know, smaller guys. So, I mean, there's that end of it too of you know it's not just big companies doing it but you know you know basically grassroots companies like cow rc and these guys that you know are supporting us on a, on a more local level and you know grassroots level it's pretty awesome you know i'm sure it helps them out you know and, and it, it's one of those things i guess it kind of depends who you ask you know on one hand the argument is well it hurts the hobby because now people aren't buying as much stuff from hobby shops mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's it's hurting hobby shops i mean any hobby shop owner that's been around for more than you know a few years will tell you that pretty much everybody they buy stuff from is out to hurt them. <laughs> you know, it's I mean, right right from the get go, the majority of what these guys are, you know, what goes on a hobby shop shelf comes from Horizon Hobbies, who's arguably the largest online retailer there is. You know, so they've got to compete with their own distributor, you know, before they even get going. You know, but uh, so I think hobby shop owners would probably be the ones that'll tell you that it's hurting the hobby the most because. You know, these guys are getting tires, so they're not buying tires. They're getting bodies, so they're not buying that. And the accessories and all the other stuff. The other side of it is it's kind of an interesting marketing model for these manufacturers that, you know, 
the biggest challenge for them is brand loyalty. You know that, especially in RC. You know, somebody will buy J Concepts tires, and then they'll buy Proline tires, and they'll buy J Concepts tires again, and you know, just kind of buy whatever they they can come up with. You know, especially when you're not racing, um, it's very hard to get repeat business. And at a point where you can come up with a plan where, you know, you're giving somebody a discount, but you're still making a profit margin on it and you're kind of locking in a repeat customer, you know, that right there is, is worth the discount. So it's, you know, it's sort of like an RC version of couponing where they're, you know, they're, they're they're cutting your break on it, but making sure that you're going to buy it from them, you know? Couponing. That's funny. You mentioned couponing again. (laughs) Do you, do you feel though that like, and and I totally understand what you're saying. Like some of the smaller guys that are, trying to get their name out there or you know and and for me and matt right now you know it's definitely the the foam tires uh you know from gone banana racing skins that we stand behind 100 percent. we recommend if anybody that's running on a carpet should be running a set of those you know so f- for those guys that you know the the sponsorships are good it's like well here i'll, I'll you know we'll come up with some uh, uh, deal that works for everybody and now you yeah. know our, our product is getting talked about but then you got like the big guys you know team associated low c um whoever, Kyosho, you know, where they've got, like, a massive swarm of guys out there representing their products. And, like, sometimes I almost feel it's like, you know, is, is a TLR car so expensive because they got to make up for how many they're either giving away at 50% yeah. or, for, you know what I mean? Like, and that's kind of where yeah, I mean, that whole question came from, right? I think short of a, you know, really a, a full 100% ride, you know, they're still making money on the car no matter what their kind of discount oh, they're given. Hang on. I got a perfect example of that, and I'm not going to get into too, too many details. <laughs> but I was a recipient of, of a really good deal, thanks to a few people that I know connected me with the right people. And I'll tell you this. I only paid half the cost of electronics for said kit and got the kit absolutely free. And I repeat that. Half the cost for electronics, so a servo, ESC, and a motor. I paid half of the cost from that particular manufacturer and got the kit for zero. Yeah. There, there's no way they lost money on that deal because they wouldn't do it, right? They can't afford just to chalk one off and say, oh, here, here's a loss and not have me sign any kind of <clears throat> promotional deal or something where, you know what I mean? Like there was no stipulation right. to it. This was what it was. You want the kit, buy the electronics at half off, and we'll get you the kit. Right. So you know, I mean, the the profit margins on a uh, on a car are not very much. You know, I mean, the, it's there's still there still is a profit margin on it, but not like there is on the parts and the accessories and you know all the apparel and everything else. That's really where these companies kind of make their money. And mm-hmm. you know, the the vehicles are really just sort of a, a an avenue for you to buy the parts that do make money. So mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it, you're going to break there's, guaranteed. There's still sort of a benefit for them, you know, even taking a little bit of a hit on the car, knowing that they're going to make it up when you break an arm, when you break this or that, or when you buy, want to buy, you know, all the blue anodized parts or whatever else it may be, you know? No, no, I but know like, what you mean. I see. Dirk, I mean, like, how, you know, like with Cal RC, like, how does he find that he does with, with sponsoring people versus trying to just, you know, retain customers? Well, the... You know, Cal RC is is a, is a neat story in itself, and uh, Heath Heath is uh, very grassroots. He's awesome. And, you know, I've been with Heath now for I don't know last year and a half, and was probably one of the first people to start using his actual 
product at the racetrack. The majority of the people were, you know, uh, using it at their houses, doing builds and, you know, posting stuff all over. He's everywhere. I mean, he, he is everywhere. But, you know, <clears throat> a few months ago, decided to make a, a big, you know, a big decision and get some of the biggest names in RC on his team. Mm -hmm. And we started the factory team, um, Cal RC Racing Team. Uh, you know, which with people like Ryan Lutz and Adam Drake and, um, you know, many more that I can't even name. But uh, it's so far, it's been a huge success, um, bringing a lot of new people that haven't been a part of Cal RC um, to the table um, to buy the products. And yep. uh, there's more to come on that. I can't say or talk about it yet, uh, but there's going to be some more announcements around the corner. Um, and... Uh, the thing about it is you still see Heath working every single angle he can and, you know, being a part of all these small pages and different things to, to really get his brand out there. And he has yep. a, I, I would almost call it a cult following. I mean, it, it's pretty amazing what he has done um, with, with that product. Well, and and yep. now to see the big time drivers at the track, you know, uh, running these products and taking the pictures with them. And, you know, Lutz even came out with his own line, you know, that Cal RC is producing for him. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's a, it's an interesting thing. Well, and, to add to what you're saying, Dirk, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to stand behind a product like that. Cause I mean, both me and Matt use them. And uh, I think uh, it was <clears throat> myself came across it, a eh, Matt and I had ordered some of it. And basically we were like foaming at the mouth at how yeah. great his products are. Like it just, it works. Well, and you know what's funny about it? out there is our our buddy Jim actually at first was the one who told me about it, and I'm talking back in the days when the Moose Lick was in a white can, like it had the white label on it, <laughs> right? Like that's how long. But I never had ordered it because it was still fairly new into RC and everything like that. And then, yeah. you know, I got to to I think at one point Mike stumbled upon it around the same time I met Tim, so it just kind of went all together. Mike had mentioned you know this Cow RC stuff. I'm like, hey. I'm pretty sure that's the same stuff that Tim uses. And then sure enough, talk to Tim. And yeah, that's the same <laughs> stuff Tim uses. And, you know, the next thing I know, I'm ordered. Mike's ordered a bunch of it. I've ordered a bunch of it. And it's just, you know, it's completely crazy. And just Heath is just awesome. There's yeah, no other way to describe he, it. He, he's an amazing person. And he also, you know, he's a stickler for who is, you know, out there promoting his product as well. Yeah. He's done smart yeah. things. You know, you got you guys talking about it right now. And, you know, I've seen a lot of a lot of y'all's pictures. There's your pictures posted with KRC mats, and um, I can tell you this: the one thing that has changed my life the most in RC since I have been back has been KRC products. I'm just saying that because they, you know, I do a lot of builds. I've, I've probably done over the last two years, you know, a couple hundred builds, oh my God. and <laughs> they truly keep me organized and you know going the right path. And the same at the races. Um, you know, it's funny, you mentioned Moose Lick, and I'm like, what the hell can I use this stuff for? You know, build vintage, but, you know, it puts shines on stuff that, that stay, you know, and it brings back and restores, you know, old finishes such as tires and plastic parts and so forth that you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't think would be capable. Um, so right. that's your door hinges from squeaking, too. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. I've used it on my pickup <laughs> truck hinges. <laughs> I've used the utter butter in my four-wheeler. I had a, a, a boot on one of the front drive shafts. Uh, yes. 
rip. So I actually loaded it up with utter butter using the syringe, and uh, then I, I then I sealed it up with you know some other methods of sealing it up. But it's just like this stuff goes oh way beyond our sea, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I use the uh, moose lick on my headboard on my bed a lot too. Because <laughs> <laughs> so. they're close by him. <laughs> Yeah, they uh, and and a couple others. You know, I, you know, Jay Concept. I've I've had a lot of, a lot of opportunities to, you know, potentially go back with Associated or go back with you know, Losi and do those type of things. And it's I, I tried to to stay with a lot of the smaller brands like you know Team K and K. You know, if you don't know Mike Kirby or haven't used his product, the guy is just he's an amazing part of RC. You know, they mainly are into crawling, but He's, he's one of the best people you'll meet in the industry. Um, him and his entire family do it together, you know. Um, and, you know, I mentioned Jason Reno earlier, um, but, you know, he's he's the type of person that will do anything for you, you know, and, and the industry. Right. But I wonder if you'll one of the things we try to that. do with, with <laughs> hobby shops is I really try to talk to the guys about utilizing their local hobby shops. And um, we have, I, I don't know, Eric, you tell me, Pete, we probably have 30 local hobby shop owners on Old School RC that we yeah. really try to push the people into their areas. Um, and I mean, just the crowd that you guys bring from, you know, from, you know, Tennessee to the vintage maps, you know, is all based right. around math. Stevens an extreme hobby shop in Nashville. Yeah. It is just yeah, when, because, I, when like, I went up to oh, uh, Nashville for the uh, carpet race in March, you know, I got on the, uh, you know, messenger with Matt and it was, you know, I told him, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to, I, I needed a brushless motor. I didn't have any brushless gear at all. And, uh, you know, I told us this is, you know, what I want to do. And I got in you know, uh, went inside and he pulled a box out from behind the counter and he says, okay, this is what I've got here, this, this, and this. And I, I, I spent my money with him because, you know, he, uh, you know, I, I worked around hobby shops, uh, you know, years ago helping out with tracks and stuff. And, you know, there's not a lot of money to be made in that business. It's, you know, being a hobby shop owner, especially a track owner is as much of a passion project is you know is some term that i've heard you know with jason rona's stuff you know the, the passion projects he comes out with and uh you really got to love the hobby and you know and you're really giving something you know to everybody else for very little return so what dirk's talking about you know spending money at your local hobby shop uh or at least spending it where you race that's a uh, that's a that's a big deal, especially with the vintage guys, because if you can find a hobby shop that is willing to just acknowledge that you want to run an old car, you know, well, yeah, bring three. You can run, you know, but no, man, tell me about it. And, you know, uh, uh, Eric could probably elaborate a little bit more because he he talked. But uh, Lester uh, Bassenbeck that owns Wolcott Hobby, uh, he is totally hyped about vintage and uh, he's actually going to promote this winter. He's going to promote and try and get his regular racers yep. to, uh, to get uh, team cars. 
and they're going to have a spec class. You know, uh, I don't know if it's what what the plans are specifically, but you know, he's entirely, you know, he wants to get his regular racers out of Gonads next year to really, you know, get them in, get them involved, and uh, you know, yeah, guys that like Lester came- are. I should say guys like Lester and guys like Matthew Stevens, uh, and I'm only using them as examples because they're the two that I know personally. Uh, they are very, very rare breed in hobby shop owners that they're not always looking at the bottom line. They're looking at the, at the spirit and the sport, you know, they want to grow and they want to, you know, they want to build the hobby and they want to support the spirit that we've got going with the old school crowd. And, uh, that's really it's hard to find and it's something when you do find it you need to you need to cherish it and grow it well i think that's something that a lot of people forget too right like when you buy from online who cares what what place it is you know yeah you might you might save twenty dollars because they got whatever special and they're undercutting you know just like i think it was eric had said you know your hobby shops are competing with their own distributors and that's exactly it um but you don't have that one-on-one that you do with the guy at the hobby shop who probably knows more than you'll ever know, you know, so you don't get that interaction. And there's a lot that you're probably missing out on just from having that conversation with that guy. You know, you go online, you click your order, it comes in the mail. When you go to the hobby shop, that guy's going to talk to you. He's going to ask you questions and that might send you in a totally different direction, you know? It's a very touchy, touchy subject at the moment about, the local hobby shops and, you know, and the sponsorships. And it's, it's a very weird thing. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. You know, me, me being out for so long and, you know, you see these, you know, cause that's, that's what started me back in the eighties was, you know, hobby town came to me and sponsored me and, and went on to bigger things. And, you know, but the brick and mortars are becoming a thing of the past and, you know that's what supports the racetracks, mm-hmm. and uh, we gotta we have to support these guys. Whatever we do, we have to support them. And you I feel another- guilty a lot of times, even you know, with the sponsorships and stuff that I have. And you know, Matthew and I have even been talking about me just going back to doing the hobby shop thing and not, you know, having some of these other bigger sponsors. So it's a, it's a really weird thing. It's Eric not just the when you talk about the the local hobby shops. Um, it's not just, you know, like Matt's, you know, the, the standalone shop like Matthew has with extreme, but, you know, up there in, uh, St. Charles, Illinois, uh, Jeremy Dale is the manager at the, uh, hobby town. And he, he put on a race here a month or two ago at a local, a local town festival. I mean, they went out with a, with a tractor and dug up a track that was as old school as it could be. I mean, it was dirt berms and genuine dirt you know and this is and again this is a hobby town that uh that sponsored this you know where in a day and age when you've got all these tracks that are you know they're they're supposed to be dirt but they're more like concrete you know and you know running slicks and stuff and you know but and it's that's just what people want in that area but it's um you know, when I was racing years ago, you know, we didn't have that. You know, we, we actually needed 
treaded tires. We actually had to change tires throughout the day because the tread the t- the track started getting grooved in and packed in more. Hmm. You know, so yep. uh, we could do a whole show on that that topic for sure. Oh yeah, but it's well, it's you know it's just you don't want you don't want people to automatically dismiss the hobby towns and places like that because it's not you know the hobby towns down here don't do any sponsorship the RC hobby or I should say tracks down here and uh, the RC hobbies down here don't do any tracks they tried but it didn't work and so they don't cater to the racers they cater to the bashers yeah. mm-hmm. but you know it's just a matter of finding people that are willing to try and do it and then you know supporting them. Robert Moss yep. is another one that has, I think, three or four hobby towns and has tracks at most of them. And uh, it's ho- hobby towns a unique thing because they're they're a different breed. You can you can go to one and see that is that is just dedicated to the bashers, and you can go to another one and see that is, you know, dedicated to the local racers. It's it's mm-hmm. it's a unique thing, especially with the new combination with a main. It's it's added a whole new a whole new scope on racing and. Uh, the way the shops are set up. Amy's just a monster of a company, I think, when you really think of it. Well, especially when you look at what they started off as. Like, yeah. you know, just out of somebody's house, and now they're this monster that, you know, like, it's just, it, it's crazy, and it's just, it, it's difficult. See, it's a double-edged sword for Mike and I, because we do have a quote-unquote local hobby shop, if you want to say that it's, an hour down the freeway from where we live, if that's considered local to you, but that's also in another country for us, right? So sometimes, for the most part, we've been very fortunate that the shipping portion of things have been figured out because the owner maybe knows somebody that's coming up our way, so he gets brought up you know, to a friend of ours and stuff like that. But if we didn't have that friend and he didn't have that ability, then we'd still have to have it shipped up from him. And, and Casey's always been great to Mike and I. And oh, yeah. from my understanding, he's like that with pretty much anybody that deals with him. So it's it's... It's not, and, and I say it all the time, it's not that I don't want to support Casey when I order online, but sometimes for me, you know, I need it in like three days, you know, four days. And sometimes with Casey, it might take three or four days before he's actually able to order it because, you know, he can't just turn around and order three parts for me. He mm-hmm. needs to put in an order so that way he's not losing money. And I've always said that to Casey. I don't I, want you losing money to to get my business. That's not what it's, when, when it's a, works for you and you're going to make money from that's when i want to help you i don't want you money matt yeah okay i can't afford that either because exchange (laughs) rate's brutal right so it it goes that way and it's just you know like i ordered a bunch of my stuff that i'm doing on my b5m from casey you know the only stuff i didn't order from him was my bodies and stuff from tower but that's because i was very fortunate to receive some gift certificates for tower from some people that went to axial fest so i'm not going to let those go to waste hell no Right, so <laughs> no, and I mean in Canada, it's, it's even worse, uh, as Matt was saying, because we got the the whole exchange thing. You know, you got thirty five yeah. cents on every dollar, so you know you got an expensive hobby that just got even more expensive just because of the financial state of the country. You know, and it's like, oh man, you know. So of course, if you can save thirty dollars, you try to save thirty dollars. But then, what you got to say to yourself was thirty dollars worth saving to not support that hobby shop yeah. or track in our case it's the track and the hobby shop because it could disappear so now instead of having to track an hour away the closest track might be three and a half four hours away you know yeah. so you got to kind of say is it worth spending thirty dollars of course it is right 
Once once I save a hundred grand, I'm gonna move to Canada and be a millionaire. <laughs> that's only right now. Sometimes it flips the other way drastically. You know? Yeah, and then you'll that, that's when you'll see more. Mike and I spending hordes of money on RC stuff. Yeah, hordes <laughs> of investing it. in U.S. dollars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just <clears throat> it's very difficult. Eric, you were trying to say something there a few times and you didn't get a chance. You still got that hey. thought or? I, I tend to talk too much, so I, I, I got to learn when to shut up. Um, <laughs> we uh, no, we were talking about the spec class that Luster's doing up here, and it's that is kind of a neat thing. And it's what we're going to do is is take you know team associated worlds cars and uh, uh, spe, you know spec hobby wing speed control and motor, and basically just run them as is. You know, I, I'm I'm not even sure if they're going to do a battery thing. I think they just let people run their batteries, but. Um, you know, that's kind of a, a unique thing, too, that, you know, they're trying to do because, I mean, we have the race there, and it's, you know, really a, a benefit to them to build a local base. But, I mean, that's something interesting I've kind of realized in the last, you know, really in the last few years is that, you know, the, when this race started off, it was mostly locally supported. And, you know, over the years, it's become a lot more, you know, groups of people that have come from out of state and, you know, looking at this year's entries, it was primarily people from out of state and almost, and I don't want to say none because there, you know, there are some diehard guys that, you know, support this race all the time. Um, so I don't want to sound like, you know, it's not helping them, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not really a local guy race anymore. It's, it's become, you know, really a national thing. And, you know, Lester's goal is to try and build a local base for it too, that, you know, we can have an even better turnout for next year if we build, you know, a class that we race all year. And then, you know, that's, that's sort of the challenge that we're met with is, you know, okay, well, you know, there's re-release cars out there and that's great, but, you know, how do we get people that aren't vintage collectors to buy one of these and come to the race next year? So. Well, hey, if you really want a, a an RC10, you can get an RC10 Classic right now. That's what I was just going to say. If, if you've got a spare, what, what, what are they getting for those? Four hundred for a low low price of four hundred dollars. I, you know, I. That's eBay price. <laughs> probably, probably not something y'all want to bring up with me right now. I'm a big AE supporter, but I was a little dismayed when they re-released those at 400 bucks it was kind of a well but see the worst well, part is these aren't even re-releases these are original rc10 classics which is why i think they're charging what they're charging and for I, it because and, it's, and see that's okay so you remember that conversation i was having about the bj4 and a comfortable amount of money to spend? rc10 classics these aren't these are the classics not these are the re-releases not original rc10s yep no these but what, the you know, what editions and i now, think they, they found original OG RC10s, yeah, 400 is about right. Yeah, but you know what? Those classics have been going for that. I mean, for the, you know, since they came out, I mean, they've been getting three and 400 bucks for them, you know, on eBay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it's hard to make the argument that they're wrong because they're just, you know, they they happen to play. Let's, it's, let's put it this way. If, if you went to a hobby shop and you found a place that was selling them and they had like five or six of them left, you know, and they were selling them for, you know, 150 bucks, you would buy them and put them on eBay for three, four hundred bucks, you know. So it's it's really not any no, different. The I guess price has been yeah. two fifty to three right now. I guess that's what threw me off. Yeah, but they're they're people are buying them, and we've been promoting them on the group, and it's yep. uh, just one of them deals. I don't really even think um, it's it's not like they have like a hundred of them. I think it, it's probably really a pretty small amount of of actual kits. Yeah. 
So like they really don't end up making them. And I mean, if anything, I think the fact that they're even buying up inventory to resell is proof enough that they are not going to remake that car. You know? yes. <laughs> so. Well, if you, read the, if you read the description here, it does talk about authentic replica of the RC10 buggy kit originally released in 84. So these aren't right. actually from 84. They're... No, they're the newer one that came out in 2012. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're the I mean, that's classic. Pretty, I mean, you know, they made a made a, a you know a collectible re-release. You know, mm-hmm. I'd to buy me, one does if it, I had it. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, to me, it does it too. Where they'll they'll re-release you know one or two cars a year, and you know one of them kind of stays going. I mean, they re-released the Hornet, you know, thirteen, fourteen years ago, and they're still selling it. But then. You know, how many re-releases have they come out with that are no longer being made? You know, like the Wild One, the Avanti, and stuff like that. That even the re-release ones are getting pretty good money on you know on eBay and on Facebook and stuff like that. Yeah, they are bringing some good money now. It's my eyes. Yeah, you funny know, thing re-release. about re-releases. Cliff kind of gave a hint that they are working on something, but he wouldn't tell us what it was. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. pretty interested to see what comes yeah. out of that. Definitely not the 10T, he said though. So that's what everybody's been wanting. You know what's funny was, with the 10? They started making that body, you know, a year ago. They came out with the body for it. And, yeah. you know, I, I I said, oh, you know, I, of course, me, I get right on the phone. And I'm, you know, oh, are you guys going to remake the T, you know, 10T? Do you need help? Do you want, you know, anything like that? And they're like, nope, we have zero intention of remaking that 10T. And I said, <laughs> you know, you already have all the parts. I said, you're only missing like three parts. And then, yeah. you know, getting to talk with you and Jason and find out you guys are making the shock towers. That's two of the three parts, <laughs> you know? So, was, so I said, you know, actually I said, looking at the nose plate right now of redoing it. Yeah. That's the one, that's the one last piece. And that was the thing, you know, when you guys were doing the shock towers, I said to Jason, you know, you should remake the, t- the nose plate. And he says, yeah, that's kind of a hard tool to make and stuff like that. And, yeah, I said, but that completes the set. And I said, you'd sell a ton of them because everybody would want to build one. You know, and, and I went back to Associate and I said, you know, you guys have all these parts in stock. No, we don't. I said, yeah, you do. I said, here's a list. I said, go back and look. I said, you've got them all on your site for sale. I said, I've got them all in my, in my shopping bin right now. You know, and you're only missing two shock towers, exactly two shock towers and a nose plate, and you can have the 10T again. You know, and they just, but... You know, they, it's not their big. It's not their primary focus. You know, and that's fine. It, but it, I thought that was pretty cool, though. That Cliff was saying there. You know, they're working on something else, and you know, we'll have to wait mm. and see what it is. Like, what do you think it is, Eric? I don't know. I kind of my guess would have been the ten T. Had 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 yeah. I not known what I know, you know, I, my guess would have been the ten T. So yeah. knowing that it's the only not other thing I really think of was the DS. I, you know, I really, I'm kind of at a loss. You know, it's maybe speaking it's of Cliff in. and the 10 maybe T. Maybe the you know. And that's a pretty easy one, too. I mean, you got to think that they're they're not trying to remake every part. So, you know, you have to yeah. look at things that are already kind of available for them. And they've got a lot of those, you know, B3, T3 parts from Thunder Tiger. You know, what, what was that called? The Phoenix? You know, and stuff like that. So they're, they're, you know, most of the way there for a lot of those parts to make something like that. Sorry, Pete. We keep cutting you off, buddy. That's all right. I'm used to it. Just driving. <laughs> um, 
Well, I was going to say is that I had a chance to talk to, you know, you know, during the Q&A session with Cliff. And by the way, Eric, thank you for arranging that. And thank you, yes. to Cliff, for coming out. This was an opportunity, uh, just an outstanding opportunity and to uh, to to meet a legend in the in the business and the hobby. And uh, again, my 10 T, you know, was, is, a, is a flea market thing. It was a Craigslist thing. And I actually the body I had on it was an old S and K airs body. If uh, you you have to Google one up, most people haven't been in the hobby long time, but I'd had that body again for, you know, 20 years. And in the course of that time, I'd run it on a world's car. I'd run it with a pro line monster truck conversion and all these different things. So I had all these different stickers on there and I had a no problem monster truck, from the old no problem monster truck i had those on the side of it and nrc tpa stickers when i used to run the monster truck races when i lived up in chicago area and on the roof of it i had an rcps sticker and he's looking at that sticker he says he says you know what he's he's holding the truck he's looking at it flipping he says you know what i just came across some of these in uh in my office like well that's cool he says, give me your address. I'm like, okay. I'd be, you know, send me one. And uh, I wrote out my address on a post-it note and handed it to him. And I didn't see where he put it or whatever. I figured he'd just, you know, shuffle it off. And, you know, I'd have the, the story to tell. Well, the uh, week after I get back, I get a mailer, padded mailer, and uh, open it up. And he sent me four. Uh, sheets and a couple of them are, are are uncut, but he sent me uh, four sheets of RCPS stickers and uh, a pink one and an orange one, which I'd never seen. I'd only seen the white ones. Yeah, but I got full sheets of RCPS stickers, and I'm just like, man, this is red. this is too cool. The red ones are very desired. If you if he sent you any of those, Pete. Let me reach over the counter here. I'll, I'll take a look, and I'll, I'll tell you what I'm going to tease you with. Go, boy. Here you go. I did the red ones. I'm not sharing them. Oh, boy. I got, <laughs> I got orange, pink, yellow, like fluorescent yellow, and white. No, so right. no, I didn't well, get any red ones, Dirk. So you do, that's one less thing to hate me for. If if we're opening packages, I think it's time for me to open my team-associated envelope that came in the mail today as well. Oh, jeez. Uh-oh. <laughs> because you know, I saw your face, your post on Facebook, and uh, text Cliff, and I'm, oh, well, you know, I'd love to have some of those too. I got orange. I didn't tell anybody. I that. got orange. I got the I OG orange. That. I saved that just this broad, just for this broadcast. I didn't tell anybody about that. Well, maybe I did tell you. I don't know, but on your Facebook, wasn't it? I thought I saw it on Facebook. No, he posted it uh, in the I, group I, of us with the group. The four of oh, us. That's right. This with the group. That's, that's right. I still haven't got mine in the mail, Pete. Well, while <laughs> you guys are opening envelopes, I'm just going to take this piece of paper over here and crinkle it so it sounds like I have an envelope. <laughs> it's a red one. <laughs> <laughs> I did uh, open an envelope today when I got home and had a uh, old A and L um, tranny from Mister Ed Ernst. Um, the old belt drives, y'all remember those? Yep. Yeah. Old A&L belt drive trannies is the last thing I needed to complete one of my A&L builds. That was pretty awesome to get. 
Yeah. You know what's kind of cool about a lot of these companies, too, is that a lot of people don't even realize they're still around. Like, Alec, you know, like Daryl Lane is still making a lot of the A&L stuff. He's been doing it for a couple of years now. Yeah, he still, you can go on and go to ANLVintage.com, I believe it is, and still has a whole list of things. Um, he recently did get a real job, though, so he's uh, kind of cut back a little <laughs> bit on uh, on what he's making and just selling stock that he has left. Yeah. It's funny that, you know, uh, Daryl and uh, Chris are both members, and it's, it's funny to hear some of the stories uh, from yeah. them guys. Well, you know, yeah. the, the, what I was talking about, like the Clodbuster body I ran, you know, was an Andy's body from way back when. And, yeah. uh, you know, Andy Jacobson popped up and people, were, you know, showed an interest in wanting, you know, some of his old products. Was it the Renegade body and stuff? And uh, at, this is after I came home from, you know, Vonat's 15 and I was all hyped on it. And I got with him and said, Look, he, you know, I picked out my colors. These are going to be my colors. And I said, uh, do me a body. And he came out with the 10T. I said, okay, well, do me a 10T body. And he, I wound up with uh, two Renegade buggy bodies and the uh, truck body. Yeah. I'll paint up. And, you know, it's it's cool to to have that vintage connection, you know, like you're saying, you know, these, you know, the, uh, the A&L guys, the, uh, you know, on the Clodbuster side, you know, the, the Thunder Tech Racing guys, the guys are accessible. You know, these guys that were, you know, mass producing this stuff and, and back in the day, and they're still accessible and they're still willing to work with the vintage uh, yeah. people. You know, I, I can't Andy, imagine there's much profit in it, but they're doing it for, yeah. the, you know, at least for all love of it. Andy's yeah. a cool guy too, because not only is he making the old bodies, but he's still painting them with like those old style paint jobs on yeah. too which looks cool you know yeah andy came to me probably about a year and a half ago and wanted to start reproducing some of the old bodies and we worked on a pre-sale deal and um yeah it's uh so it's good to see some of those old bodies old bodies back and um <laughs> well it's funny when i was talking i was showing pictures of the andy's bodies that i had, had bought and uh, I was showing him to, to Raul Garcia, and he's like, but it's so basic. Says, yeah, but that's what we did back in the day. Back, yeah. you know, we, didn't, we didn't have the fine line airbrushes, and we weren't spending, you know, we didn't have the money to spend on it back then. I mean, and he knows. I mean, he, he's he's an old schooler just, just, like, just like we are. I mean, and, but he's like, really? Box art? Really? I'm like, no, really. Not everybody's into you know seven layer flames and tears and rips and jagged edges. You know? <laughs> yeah. Spe- speaking I mean, of box art, uh, you know, I know you guys heard the name Trung mentioned several times on here. I don't even know if you know who he is, but you know, Trung Trung is a local guy that I met here in Nashville. I don't know. It's probably been close to two years ago, and him and I have become really close over the past couple of years. But he has started doing. I would think Eric and Pete, you tell me if I'm wrong, but probably the best box artwork I've ever seen on really a lot of these vintage cars, and has has made a really good name for himself with his with his paint and the abilities that this kid has. Uh, Trung, I think, is 22 now, and he's you know it's a good story. You know, comes from uh, comes from Vietnam. You know, um, was when I first met him was doing you know pedicures and manicures and that's where he kind of got his detail work and 
the paintwork that this guy's pumping out now is just absolutely amazing, and he deals a lot in the vintage stuff as well. It's is he doing modern bodies too, or just just old school bodies? When we met, he was only doing modern, and uh, I talked him into you know coming over to the dark side with the vintage stuff, and um, yeah. that's pretty much all he's doing now. He you know he'll he'll do some custom stuff for people that he knows for, for like Matthew and myself and you know a few people he'll do he still does some modern work for uh, yeah but it's it's really about the box art really? bodies and the vintage stuff now yeah i mean he's really that's i mean that's his that's his world is that whole box art yeah. replica bodies and you know i mean through all my years in the magazines i mean i've i've met a lot of painters and there's, you know, a couple of guys that I can remember that were really great at doing, like, you know, replicas of, you know, racers' bodies and stuff like that. Like, Crappie was one of that. He was really great at that kind of stuff. And they all kind of disappear after a while. But, like, Trung is, like, he's found his thing, and he, I mean, he kills it. It's, these bodies are, they're as exact as, like, you would never know. You know, and it was funny because up until he came around, it was something where, you didn't see it much, and if you did see it, it was real rare, you know, so, especially a good one. You know, it, like I have my Boxer RC10 from, you know, 2007, I think I got that car. and You know, that was, like, extremely rare to find something, to find a body like that, that, you know, the guy that I got the car from did. And, you know, Trung is now making it something where anybody can have it you know it's expensive but anybody could do it and he's i mean he's killing it with these bodies they're they're not even close they're not, like they're not even there's nothing wrong with them at all you know they're they're so exact and i've seen a lot of the original ones i have two of the original ones and you know they are they're, they're masterpieces yeah well, Dirk, yeah, he, Dirk, uh, speaking of box art and uh let's talk about the ultimate box art uh, truck up there uh Alex Price. Yeah. Um, Matthew brought along uh, Alex Price's RC10T that was actually yeah. Which was, built used to be my RC10T years ago for a trade show. Yeah. Yep. That was he actually my, got that from uh, Eric from around Christmas last year. Susan surprised <laughs> Alex and bought that car, that truck for him. So, he yeah. He almost sold that, that was, too. <laughs> say what? He almost sold that, that truck not too long he ago. Sure I remember did. he put it up. He, uh, he, he almost did. You're right. I remember he was, uh, it was when they bought their house and he was trying to raise some money to buy a house. And I remember seeing yeah. it show up there one day and, you know, when, it, when, I mean, that was something that I really didn't want to let go of, you know, and I did, but, um, you know, when he, when I sent it to him, I said, you know, if you ever, you know, if you're ever going to, you know, sell it, let me know. I'll, you know, I'd, I'd love to have the opportunity to buy it back from you, you know? And it got up there, and I said, hey, wait a minute, what happened? He says, oh, geez, I'm, he, and I mean, Alex generally felt really terrible. And I said, Alex, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. You know, I said, I totally get it. I said, I couldn't buy it right now anyway. You know, but I was, and then he changed his mind or whatever, ended up working out for him that he didn't have to. And I was like, oh, good. Yeah. So it was kind of nice to see that truck come back this, you know, to, to the race this year. Yeah, it was awesome so. to see him get it and bring it um, and have it signed. That's, you know, it, it's... But, you know, the thing about what we're talking about with the box art uh, cars you know, is that a lot of, I mean, a lot of these guys will buy these box art bodies and they'll never run them. They'll, they'll buy them, they'll put them on the car and they'll sit on the shelf because 
they're they're buying the cars for the memories they had, you know, for for what it invokes, you know, the memories, the good times they had. You know, yep. I mean, you know, I the stuff I've got, I've got a Kyosho Triumph. I actually bought, uh, I actually bought one from Dirk uh, when I first joined old, old school, and then I bought another one that has a box art paint job. Now it's not trunk level, but on the shelf it is identical to the box lid and you know that i'll never run that body because that's the memory that it invokes that i mean the kyosho triumph was the first kit i ever built so you know that's that's the spirit that's why it's it's dear to my heart you know that it's that's the first kit i ever built so that's you know even though i've built you know dozens of rc10s and other cars so you know what 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 trung is doing you know what that i we can't we can't say enough about him and the thing is is that there's not an ounce of pretension in, in the guy that he is and really and eric yeah. I'm, you know what this is something eric's talked about this is something in the old school community that i really love because you know when i couldn't be in the rc when i was you know family commitment work and stuff i couldn't be in rc uh, whenever I'd get the bug, I'd go hit up one of the local tracks down here that's mostly eighth scale and about 30 minutes at the track on a race day. And they totally destroyed my spirit for the hobby. I mean, just, I mean, there was no love for it. It was competition. It was hardcore competition, which is fine, but there was no love for this, for the sport of the hobby. There was no helping anybody out. And in, in vintage, uh, who was it? Up in March, Dirk, somebody broke their car during hot laps. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. And Mike was, Kirby, uh, Mike Kirby had been in the B main, and this this guy broke his car, and Kirby and Kirby's a big dude. Okay, he's he's big as me, and here comes Kirby running across the track, <laughs> throwing stuff around on his table, yanks the body off, wires, battery, which battery's charged? I don't know. Take them all over there. <laughs> And he runs back to the tech table with his radio and his car and all his batteries and stuff. They test to see which one's charged. And in the matter of like two minutes, he threw down another car, handed the radio to the guy, you know, and got the, so the, you know, the guy got to run his, his main, he earned his spot in the main, he got to run his main, you know? And I mean, where else are you going to see that kind of spirit? You know, that's, that's something you're not, I I've never seen, you know, from from years back, I didn't see it, yeah. Uh, and and now, and I don't see it in any other form of uh, racing. The tracks that I visit and stuff, um, I visit a lot of tracks. I go to a lot of tracks, and uh, you know, vintage is really the the sense of community is. Uh, you know, Eric, you, Eric's built something great yes. with the, with bonets and uh, you know, Dirk bringing the. The uh, the Facebook starting the Facebook group and growing that, you know, uh, I list on my page, funny. you know, my Facebook page that I'm an I'm an I'm an ambassador, I'm an ambassador <laughs> for old school RC and and my thing is is that, you know, last year I I went to Vonats last year with about two hundred dollars worth of RC cars. I mean, for everything I took up there was less than two hundred two hundred fifty dollars. I bought two cars at a flea market for forty bucks, <laughs> you know, and I. And I, I raced one. I, actually, yeah. it's, it's my A stamp. I bought two of them for forty bucks, you know, and I bought a world, two worlds cars for forty bucks. 
or 50 bucks one time and uh but i want to i want to help promote the idea that you know these guys have got these cars in their attic in their garage in the basement wherever you have them and haul them out get them out throw a fresh battery in there you know get the radio out and go out and run these things and you can go out and have a good time you know, and you don't have to have the, the super sticky slick tires that you have to wipe down and, and, and sauce up every 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 heat and stuff like that. You can go out there, you know, with these RC10s, the RC10s we run in the classic class, that we have to run the original tires, the kit tires. And you can hear these, these things howl like a mud bogger. <laughs> <laughs> I like that mud bogger. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. They come down the track and you just hear as it goes out, you know, <laughs> comes by you on the straight. Yeah, but, I mean, I mean, you were that the community thing that oh. it, the funny story to me is, you know, we had this little vintage RC cars group on Facebook, and it was a friend of mine around here that started it just to kind of like put up old pictures of tracks and stuff that we went to, and it was supposed to be like a little group just for us and you know, little by little kind of added people from here and there and everywhere. And it was kind of funny because there was always just this little sleepy group of people posting pictures. And, you know, we didn't allow any, at first we did, we had people buying and selling stuff a little bit, but we, you know, there's always some sort of trouble. And so we kind of got rid of that whole thing. It was, you know, we didn't allow any kind of selling there. And I remember this just one day, this guy messaged me and it was Dirk and he says, Hey man, he says, you know, I want to, start another vintage group, you know, where people can buy and sell and, you know, but I didn't want to see, you know, seem like I was stepping on any toes or anything. And, you know, would it be okay if I started a group? And I was like, well, you don't really have to ask me at all, but you know, go ahead, you know, and it ended up being old school RC. And I mean, it's without a doubt, the largest group of, you know, vintage group on the planet, you know, and it's, it's kind of funny that, I mean, but that's kind of the way the community is that like Dirk even, you know, it, it, it has such a sense of community that he, he, you know, felt like he needed to reach out and say, hey, you know, I know we already got this thing, but, you know, I don't want to insult you, and, you know, I want to try one myself. Do you think and I'm like... That's maybe, like, a, an age thing, you know what I mean? Like, do you, and I don't mean to, by any means, call anybody old, but, you know, I mean, you tend to find at some of the tracks it's a lot of younger people, right, racing, and that's where I think the whole competition thing comes in and, and and let's face it today's generation doesn't even know how to talk to each other you know never mind help each other well, I, as far as the age thing it's a matter of whether you know what they're exposed to on the local level mm-hmm. uh eric what what place did zach come in in the two-wheel drive main and he ran a, a t was it a tq10 six-gear car it was it was a graphite. it was a graphite that i gave him <laughs> you know, yeah. he's uh, he's but, seventeen. He's he's a senior in high school, but he's seven. He just got his license, as we all heard uh, a bunch of times. But he um, he's he's seventeen years old. He goes to a tech school around here. Um, I think he's learning automotive. But um, yeah, he's he's a pretty amazing kid. He's also he has autism, and he's his dad got him into this hobby, you know, mm-hmm. to try and find something for him to kind of focus on and. It's it's honestly, I mean, if I've learned something about autism, it's been through Zachary, and it's you know, RC is the perfect hobby for somebody with autism because it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a very precise and you know consistent type of thing that you're doing when you're racing, and you know that's sort of the whole thing with with autistic kids is that you know their their whole life is based around things being the same, 
you know, and it, it fits perfectly together. And Jack has come a long way in a, a, a very, very short amount of time. I mean, he started when he was 13, so he's been racing about three and a half years, and he's gone from, you know, being like the dead last in the sportsman class to being one of the fastest guys at our track. And, you know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, he, I, last year I had this car, I bought it off of like a, you know, Facebook auction group and I got it for, you know, I got it for a song. I think I got it for like 30 or 40 bucks. You know, and I was just going to kind of buy it and have it as like an extra car for somebody to play with. If they wanted to come to the race and I brought it to the track for the race and Zachary showed up cause he wanted to kind of check it out. And he, I saw him looking at the car and I said, Zachary, I said, you want that car? Oh, it'd be kind of nice, you know, here. And I gave it to him. And all year he worked on that car and he got that car ready. And he, you know, he asked me, do you have wing buttons and do you have this? And, you know, between me and the shop and he got the car together and he came and he beat a lot of people with that thing. (laughs) So So maybe the actual age of the person has nothing to do with it. It's more just the, it's the vintage cars bring that camaraderie with it, I guess, would be the better thing to say, right? Uh, you know, like, I mean, the thing I've seen is, you know, through crawling and everything else is that, you know, everybody loves their RC car, everybody loves their segment that they're into, and they all kind of share that same common interest in it, that, you know, there's this thing that they're doing that they that they love in the, themselves that they also appreciate other people like, you know, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's a little bit different with the vintage guys though because for them it's there's also this whole sense of you know it's it's a passion for them you know a nostalgia thing and a passion and it's it's a lot more of an experience together than you know just having a car that you play with and somebody else does the same thing you know okay so so let's let's do this then so there are probably a few people that are listening that aren't aware of where on Facebook or where to find more information about uh, vintage, whether it be the vintage off-road nationals or whether it be a page where they can go and maybe peruse and try and buy themselves a vintage ride if they want to go to the vintage nationals. So let's, uh, who's got a list of where, who, what, where, when, and how? I'll let Dirk kick that one off. (laughs) Well, I I definitely, you know, he mentioned earlier, if they want to visit Old School RC on Facebook, um, definitely a good place to come and not only, you know, learn what it would take to get a vintage ride, but, you know, we really promote the race every year and work closely with Eric on that. And um, it's, it's definitely going to be a good foundation for you to start and meet a lot of great people. Okay, right on. And what do you got, uh, Eric, again? You got a couple of Certainly. sites and stuff, right? Yeah, we got a bunch of things. I mean, old school is without a doubt the biggest place. There's also, you know, vintage RC cars on Facebook. Uh, it's a smaller group, but it's more focused on, you know, talking about the cars and sharing pictures and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, there's those kind of places to, you know, try and get yourself going and into this. And um, I also have vintagercars.com, which is now, you know, a vintage only website just for RC stuff. And, I'm trying to get as much content up there as I can, <laughs> but uh, I have some reinforcements on the way, so that'll be good, and we'll be getting up a lot more stories, you know, every week and that kind of stuff. Um, there's the Vintage Offroad Nationals website, vintageoffroadnationals.com, for you know all your information on the race, and um, you know, there's eBay. Is if you search Vintage RC, you know, if you just type in Vintage, you know, under the radio control section of eBay, I think you'd get about. 30,000 hits, you know, so 
there's a lot of different communities. Even you know, if you're still into the message boards, there's you know, Tamiya Club, and there's also RC Ten Talk, which is really where all this kind of started from for everybody. So you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of communities out there, and there's a lot of things going on, and people talking and sharing stuff, and sharing stories and parts, and all kinds of stuff like this every day. Right on, right on. So lastly, of course, I do want to give all you guys a chance to uh, have a shout out to anybody or anything or anything you want to say thanks to for allowing you guys to enjoy the hobby as much as you do. So go ahead and I'll let uh, Pete go first. Well, uh, I don't really have any sponsors per se, except that I've got people that have made it really easy to uh, be involved in the hobby and to stand out. Uh, mainly, um, I, I want to say thanks to Mike Gallant at Muddy Reflections. He's uh, a local guy to me. Uh, he, he uh, We've met several times, and uh, you ever see the pictures of the uh, uh, old-school RC shirts like Dirk, was, uh, Dirk wears, and uh, he did have some hats for us, and he's uh, he can do uh, graphics, uh, stuff like that. He did that for me, and he's real easy to work with, and... Uh, there's a lot of places you could spend your money. I choose to spend it locally. Um, but, uh, you know, Matt Stevens up there, Matt and Caleb up there at Extreme Hobbies in Nash and Spring Hill and uh, Spring Hill, Tennessee. Um, you know, that's a destination shop and a destination race for me, the Extreme Carpet Initiative. Um, they've already, you know, make, they did it in March. They're going to do it again next year. And, uh, just like the Bonats race, it's it's a destination race for a lot of us, you know, for everybody to get together. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm I'm proud to be part of the old school community, and I'm I'm really, uh, you know, hope to you know help people if they you know maybe do this, they'll dig out dad's RC or something and do it off the shelf or out of a box. You know, there's plenty of people out there and uh that have this stuff and that, that want to help you grow and help you help you get back into it at least help you freshen the car up so you can you know clean it up put it on the shelf you know but uh thank you to dirk for starting old school rc thank you to eric for starting the vintage nationals and guys like uh you know lester bastenbach and kyle rhodes all the work they put into the bonats race to to, to, or the, to set the track up for the bonats race you know that's uh that track is just incredible. I mean, the, the amount of work put into it. So um, I'm sure I'm probably, you know, I'll throw it out there too, Jason Rona. Thank you for your support of the vintage community. That is, uh, it means a lot. It means a lot that you're accessible to us, that you're, you know, uh, willing to work with us, you know, and come out with stuff that, you know, we either need or want. It's a really, really good deal. Really good, really cool thing. Right. And uh, of course, thanks to uh, Matt and Michael. Thanks for having us on and uh, you know, spreading the word about the vintage uh, vintage community. Oh, of course, that's not that's a what problem. We're here to do absolutely, Dirk. What do you got? <clears throat> First, I'd other like than choking. <laughs> yeah, start by thinking. Uh, there's a couple of people that have really influenced me since I've been back and uh, helped me really build what we have built and. Uh, couldn't go without mentioning Matthew Stevens um, of Extreme Hobby and Extreme RC Raceway. And also Brandon Giles, uh, 
you know, he's been at what all Vonat since you started, Eric. I think from the very beginning, all nine years. One other guy, and and one, just one other guy has been there, right? Is that Ron? Ron runs the creator. Yeah, and uh, and Eric, of course. You know, when we first started this, and you know, I think Matthew kind of connected me to Eric and Brandon, and uh, they've been a big influence on since I've been back, it's, it's been amazing what old school RC has turned into in two years. And it's, it's really a credit to, you know, those three guys and introducing me back to the right people. And, you know, the people that have, you know, kind of <clears throat> come back with me, you know, Jason Runo with J concepts, um, you know, Heath with cow RC, um, Nathaniel with MCI, you know, he's put out some incredible decals, you know, he really, those decals that he does really helps us vintage guys truly create the things that we wouldn't be able to create without him, you know, the box art bodies and so forth. Um, you know, Trung, Trung Ao and Gone Airbrush um, for doing what he has done in the past year and a half, you know. Um, K&K Hardware, Mike Kirby, they're, you know, they're a special family and a big part of old school itself. And, uh, it's uh, you know, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody. Um, Pete kind of mentioned earlier, um, Mike Galland and Money Reflections. You know, they've they've made a lot of old school products, and Derek Durbin with RCC creating products, and even we've even made a car. You know, uh, of course Eric wouldn't let us run it, but we made one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eric. Really? Uh, yeah, um, so, you know, there's, there's been a lot of great people and, you know, Team Associated for allowing us to have vintage cars, Tamaya, um, you know, all those, all those people. Um, the, it, it's a good, fun group, um, the vintage people are, and bringing back, they brought back some of my best childhood memories, and uh, it, it's it's really special to be able to share that now with my son that's 10 and um it's given us something to enjoy together um so that's kind of that's kind of where i am guys i'm sorry if i forgot anybody but it's uh it's a big special community that's for sure right on yep. and of course eric or erich holy where do i even start <laughs> <laughs> you know i mean Without without a doubt, among us is you know you guys and you know um, you know Dirk and old school. I mean, this race has become really an old school meet, and that's that's pretty awesome. You know, it's it's last year Dirk came down for the first time and took a picture of the group of us from old school that was there, and it was like me and the guys from Tennessee and like one or two other guys. And this year it was like half of the people there. You know, so. You know, Dirk is a very big part of that, and I can't thank him enough for all support. Um, you know, all our sponsors, Team Associated and J Concepts, you know, especially the two of them, and Kyosho and Tamiya for everything that, you know, they're re-releasing and supporting the race and high-tech and old-school RC and all the little guys, Team K&K, &K and, you know, Chad and Matthew Stevens and Derek Durbin and everybody throughout all the years, you know, Raul and Trung and everybody else that donates stuff and you know keeps us all going and gives us you know gives us stuff to be excited about all the time and you know that kind of stuff and 
you know, look at hobbies. I mean, the race wouldn't even happen if I didn't have a place to put it. I don't own my own track. So, you know, they're gracious enough to have me every year and have all of us there. And, you know, I think that's important to point out, you know, like, like, uh, Pete said before how much work they put in it's months to get ready for that race for them. And, you know, it kicks off their indoor season, but it's really, it's, it's a huge undertaking that Kyle and Lester do to get that thing going. And, you know, they, they take that off of my shoulders every year and they just do it and it's just done. And I show up like, you know, it was always there. So they, they're very good at making me look real good. So, um, you know, I just, I can't thank everybody enough. All the people that come to the race, especially, I mean, you know, most of them are my personal friends, you know, before the race and because of the race, you know, I, I would have never known Pete if it wasn't for this race. And he's one of my best friends and, you know, Brandon who comes every year and Ron who comes every year and, Matthew and all these people that, you know, I get to meet every year and, and hang out with and then look forward to seeing again next year. So, you know, they're the, they're the heart and soul of all this for me. And they're what makes me, you know, want to do it again next year is, you know, I got to see my friends. So that's who I want to thank. Right. Awesome. Friggin' on. <laughs> you guys are terrible. We got to stay the hell off of this Facebook thing. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it, Eric, I think you missed one. Apparently, you missed to thank your body clip sponsor. Oh, my body clip sponsor? Well, I'd like to thank, you know, uh, who put the big fiery fireball on here? Dirk, you're on. I go check out our Facebook or our message group. <laughs> I'm not even on there anymore. My phone's dead. We've been on here two hours now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Me and Matt weren't trying to cut you guys off. We just uh, definitely got to try to wrap it up here and. It's going on twenty to eleven. I, I need time. to go to bed. Well, well, Eric's on the same time zone as us. So. Yeah, but uh, I'm gonna go eat dinner now. So yeah, I'm starving. Yes. I'm gonna go yeah, probably yeah, eat something before I go to bed. We should definitely uh, set something up like this again, and uh, we definitely found a group of guys that we can just kind of. Well, and this is talk. this is kind of what I what I what I was <laughs> kind of going with with the whole like the roundtable thing's fun. I like doing that with a group big group of people because. You get to hear different, like a lot of different aspects. But when you take a very much smaller group, you're a lot. It's a lot easier just to kind of let it free roam, where you don't really need to worry about, you know, one person talking for ten minutes straight because you still have ten other people that need to get a point across. So, I like I like the big group, but I really like the smaller group, and I do enjoy doing it because it gives more of a broad uh, spectrum of stuff to to kind of discuss. Um, and get into in, in all in one episode. So I, I like it a lot. And of course I want to say, thank all three of you guys for coming on. I'm glad we were able to make it work where everybody was able to get on and do it and have like a little bit of a, you know, talk about after Von Nats and finding out that Dirk likes setting lipos on fire and all that kind of <laughs> cool stuff. So I want to again say thank you very much for coming on and, with that being said, I think we're going to wrap up this episode. Make sure you stay tuned. You're going to hear some music from Mike and myself. Mike's going to try and squeeze in 12 tracks because he's just like that. And I'll probably just throw one in at the end if he's going to do all the work, which works even better for me. Uh, so thank you very much for listening to the NBN Podcast. Make sure you stay tuned for the next upcoming episodes. I have no idea what we have planned. We'll figure it out in a couple of days and get in the studio and record another one. So thank you for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you later. All right, guys, getting back into this music thing here that we're doing. Uh, I figured being that uh, this episode was about the Von Nats, I figured that it'd be suiting to kind of go back in time uh, with music. Same style of music that I normally listen to, which is the house techno 
kind of genre, but this stuff is is from an older time. Uh, first song is You Don't Know Me by Armin Van Helden. Second song is Around the World by Daft Punk. Porcelain by Moby. Red Alert by Basement Jacks. And Put Your Hands Up for Detroit by, oh, I don't even know how to say this. Fed Le Grand would be, I think, how it would be said in French. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, this one's a little bit longer and a few songs because I just really, I had the list even longer. I was like double this and I just decided, you know what, it's probably too long. So I cut it back. Uh, once again, enjoy it and uh, we can't wait to talk to you guys again soon. What is my problem with man, you ask? No, I ask you what was man's problem with me?
Giants up for Detroit. 